Welcome back to the Preacher's Kids Podcast with Eli Blevins and John Groves. Today's episode is sponsored by Welsh's Grape Juice. It's the official grape juice of every good church's communion, unless you're Catholic and use the real thing, or cheap and use those little prepackaged things. Welsh's Grape Juice has no artificial flavors or substitutes. It's just like Jesus, 100% the real thing. Welsh's Grape Juice is the official after-church drink of preacher's kids everywhere because it's worldly if it ain't Welsh's. Let's dive into today's episode with Keenan Clark. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Preacher's Kids podcast. I'm here with my incredible co-host that we can actually see today. Thank you to those of you who donated to the GoFundMe to help bring light and sound to my good friend, Eli Blevins. What's up, Eli? What's up? Hopefully you can see and hear me better than normally. No darkness today. Come on. Let's go. Legendary. Full heart. Can't lose. And you've got a twinkle in your eye today, and it's just so great. You don't look like you're living in a prison cell this week. It could be sweat. I literally just came off a Peloton, so it Come could on. be sweat. Come on, let's go. This Peloton thing, like, what is that all about? Because I've seen some commercials, but I haven't tried one. It's just a hard bike, and it's hard, and I'm not good at it, but I try. I have it's, a real you know, bike, just a bike and- I ride outside. Is that the same? Yeah, that the same thing. Yeah, same thing. Just sweet. Get a sweat in. I bought it on get Craigslist for ten dollars. I need a bike. That's a good idea. I need. It to sounds like you got one. Bike. You got one in the yeah, room right now. Stationary one. It's at my parents' house, so I have to travel there and do it. But anyway, I just came back from there. It was awesome. John, how are you doing today? Bro, just living the dream in quarantine that is ending today in Texas. Tomorrow, restaurants, malls, everything reopens, movie theaters. They've got some restrictions, but tomorrow we're going to go have, we're going to go watch a movie. We're going to go to the mall and a restaurant all in the same day just to capitalize on all we've been missing out on for months. We have another month here in North Carolina of that. Oh, and that's bless all your I'm going to say about that. <laughs> well, just you can come visit us in San Antonio anytime. I and will. speaking of the land of the free and the home of the brave, the incredible state of Texas, today, we're welcoming an incredible guest to the Preacher's Kid podcast. You probably follow him on Instagram, and if you don't, I don't know what you're doing with your life. He is an incredible dude, a gifted preacher, an awesome musician. Like His music videos have just been blowing me away. Fire. And Let's one go. day when Eli and I grow up, we want to look just like this dude. Incredible man of yes. God, preacher's kid. Welcome, Keenan Clark from San Angelo, Texas. What's up, Keenan? Oh, wait, that was about me. What is up, guys? Dude, yes. so, good. so grateful that you're here. Dude, such an honor to be here, man. I, I, it's been a long time coming. Come on. Sure. We, we have been working on this particular interview for literally months, but Keenan is just book solid all day, every day. Um, I mean, everybody wants him, and today we get to have like 30 minutes of his time. So we're so grateful. Dude, how much do I owe you for that introduction, by the way? Bro, you I'll, can Venmo, I'll Venmo me Venmo later. You. I'll Venmo you. Yeah, I, I, yeah we'll, take, we'll take care of it. Um, okay. But, bro, we're here on the Preacher's Kid podcast because PKs, all different ages, all different backgrounds, and some rogue parents that like to listen to our podcast to see what the crazy PKs are up to this yeah. particular month. And so we just wanted to open it up to you a little bit to tell us about your story as a PK. Tell us about your family dynamic and some of the things that you love about ministry. Yeah. So um, actually, I, I've been a pastor's kid my entire life. Um, so I, I really don't know anything else. My mom and dad have done like a few things on the side, like businesses and stuff like that. But for the, the most part, um, I've always been a PK. Uh, my dad uh, was a youth pastor when I was a kid. So I started out a, a YPK and uh, mm. consequently went to all of the youth events, all the youth camps well before I was old enough to go to them. Um, and so uh, that was a ton of fun. Um, I was almost like the little mascot for our youth ministry, you know what I mean? Just like running nice. around, hanging out with all the kids, playing basketball. And uh, yeah, so I, I loved it, man. Um, I have zero, um, honestly, I can honestly say zero bad memories um, associated with the ministry and, and church and things like that. Um, it was always my favorite place to be. Um, I couldn't wait to go up to the church and we were at the church almost every single day. I mean, I'd come up here and 
my dad be working in the office and I'd be, you know, running around the church playing tag or whatever with the other pastor's kids and stuff like that. So, um, I've loved it. I'm the oldest of seven kids. And wow. so, um, everyone's always, when they find that out, they're always like, man, your mom and dad must love kids. And I'm like, no, they just love each other. Like, then they yeah, need to quit. Okay. Right. I'm just kidding. Hey. No, um, I don't want them to quit, but, uh, they do. They love each other. Evidently a marriage with a, a little passion. And so, um, yeah, my mom and dad had been married for six months and decided to start a family. They wanted five kids by the time they were 30 and they did wow. it. And, uh, yeah, I was the first one popped out. So congratulations. Uh, I know, right. Everything that's wrong with me, they fixed along the way. So my brothers and sisters, each one's better than the last. And, uh, they're just awesome. They're studs. And it's crazy that I get to kind of like lead the pack and whatnot. But, um, I didn't always have a uh, ministry on my radar. Um, I think whenever I was a kid, uh, I used to tell people that I wanted to be a pastor, um, like my dad, I wanted to literally follow in my father's footsteps, you know, every pun intended. And so, um, I always told people that I wanted to do that, but then like, I also thought maybe I'll be in the NBA. Um, but then I walked by a mirror and realized that was white and that wasn't going to happen. Um, and then I wanted to be a, a Jonas brother, you know what I mean? But then I realized, yeah. you know, my last name was Clark. That just wasn't going to look good, you know, up in lights and whatnot. And so um, finally, after, you know, trying everything else, I surrendered to the call of God on my life. And uh, yeah, when I was in high school, um, I started learning how to play the guitar and people didn't die when I sang. And so consequently, I started getting asked to lead worship um, for our youth ministry at the time. And then I went to a private Christian school. And so I blame all my issues on that. You know what I mean? If I have any sort of weirdness going on, um, I did, you know, my entire life was either homeschooled or private school. I never once did a day of public school. And so um, I would lead worship for our chapel every single week um, at my high school. And um, so I kind of cut my teeth on getting up in front of people and stuff like that there. And I remember uh, getting up there and doing that. And of course, like when you get up there, you've got to say something, right? You've got to like address everyone. You can't just like instantly go into oceans or whatever the song was at the time. Um, you have to say something to the crowd. And so I'd get up there and I'd talk for a second and then we go in, into our set. And I remember a bunch of times um, faculty and staff would come up to me after the chapel and they're like, Keenan, you have no idea how much you moved me. And I was like, really? Like, which song was it? They're like, no, it wasn't a song. It was what you said before you started playing and I was like really like are you serious like I, like <laughs> if I'm being honest and I know we're just preachers kids so I can be a little bit more real like I was just pulling stuff out of my butt you know what I mean like just saying right. stuff you know what I mean like just getting up there and just being like yo let's let's feel the presence this morning you know what I mean like I don't know like, <laughs> let's not go through the motions if you need are you going like all of Joel Houston on them yeah like I'm just <laughs> saying stuff you know what I mean and like but people would come up to me and be like man what you said was exactly what I needed to hear and these were like grown adults like coming up to me um, people who had handed me detention slips you know what I mean were coming up to me saying these things so I knew that they weren't just trying to be nice like they meant it and I was like wow okay like that was kind of when I started to get a sense like maybe what I say actually can like make a difference you know but maybe like God could actually speak through me and uh it wasn't until um I was a senior in high school I started going through our we have a here at Celebration Church I'm on staff uh, here at our church and uh and when I was 17 we started a thing called school of ministry and I went through it and I was the youngest person at the time to ever go through it and I had to had to do a preaching class you know homiletics and uh, so I had to preach a message at 17 um and it was it was all right I think I preached like Joshua 1 9 or, or uh, something like that you know be strong and courageous um, and then I ended up getting tapped on the shoulder to go and preach at this little church about an hour from us. And I delivered my first Sunday morning message at, at message at 17. And I remember everybody just like, I, I, I mean, I thought it was good stuff, but everybody acted like it was the best thing they'd ever heard. And so I was like, man, like maybe there really is something to this, you know what I mean? And it was around that time when I'd always told everybody, like, I'm not going to preach. I'm just going to play the guitar you know, whenever you're a musician, you have a mic stand and a guitar as like a barrier between you and like the audience. So there's like a safety blanket there. And then all your words are planned out because it's lyrics. And if you forget them, they're on the back wall and stuff like that. And I just never really found a preacher that I, I saw myself in. 
You know what I mean? Like I was never, I never saw anybody was like, dude, I could do that right there. What that guy just did, I want to do that. And when I was 17, 18, uh, God really started kind of, honestly, it was the Lord started introducing me to people like Judah Smith and people like Rich Wilkerson Jr., Chad Veach, you know, all the people that you and I look up to, you know, so much and have for probably years now. Um, God started putting guys like that on my radar. And when I was like 17, I just started devouring, I mean, devouring everything that those guys um, had put out and were putting out. I think I listened to every Judah Smith message I could find probably three times a piece. Like seriously, the way people binge like um, Tiger King right now, I was binging Judah Smith. Okay. Like I was going nuts. Every spare moment I had was spent with Judah and um, God just really started like showing me, he's really started re re uh, refining me as far as like what the, what, grace really means who grace really is um that it's not this concept but it's a person and that person is jesus and um also it started really redefining what i knew communication to be you know um and i just fell in love with being able to communicate and bring because i just got tired we have the best message on the planet and we have the worst people telling it you know what i'm saying like yeah. like kevin hart gets up there and talks about nothing and fills an arena we have people who are talking about eternal life and nobody wants to listen to them talk. You know what I mean? So I was just like, man, I, we should be good at telling the, the best news ever, you know? Um, and thank God, God works through anybody. He is so good. The good news is that good that anybody can get up there and say it and somebody's life is going to be changed. But I just thought we need to be better, you know, at, at explaining and telling the best story in the world. And so, uh, and I by no means am, am the best storyteller. I by no means am the best preacher but I just became obsessed with becoming the best preacher I could be and the best communicator I could be and, and really refining and finding my voice. And so from there, I ended up graduating high school, long story short, went to Bible school in Dallas, graduated from there in 2015. Um, and then it was around that time that God really started opening doors for me to begin to travel and preach and also opened the door for me to be on staff here at our church and start what is now our college and our young adult ministry. And so I've been doing that for like the last uh, four years. So that's a, that's kind of my story in a nutshell. That's awesome. You know, as PKs that God ultimately calls in a ministry, you touched yeah. on two things that I'd love for you to dive deep into. And one is when you tell people I'm in ministry, but I grew up a preacher's kid. There's that outside perspective that goes, Oh, must be nice. Like you had this massive leg up. So that's why you're right. in ministry. And certainly there are some perks, but there's also that element of you talked about, I tried everything else and couldn't get away from God's call on my life. Can you just kind of walk us through how that works? You know, because being a preacher's kid and going into ministry is not like a cakewalk. There yeah. are some interesting obstacles that you have to overcome, especially when it's God's calling on your life. So yeah. share with us about that. Yeah, I, I, I think a lot of people, they either think like, you know, that you just had all the breaks that of course, like that's what you did because that's what your parents do. Um, I, I've even had people like, um, it's not been super often, but I, I, I've even heard of people who have experienced it more, um, you know, ferociously than I have that people are like, did God really call you or is this just what was easy? Like the church was just what you knew. And so you are just like, I'll just preach or whatever, you know what I mean? Right. Um, but I have to say that the last thing you could ever accuse my dad of is nepotism. The last thing you could ever accuse Brandon Clark of is nepotism. Um, it, we do not get it easier because I'm not the only Clark kid on staff at our church. There's actually three of us on staff. And so, um, but yeah, the last thing he is, is easier on us. In fact, we get uh, our chain yanks. Uh, chain yanked faster you know what I mean because there is that like parent relationship there where he just doesn't mind like you know being just a little bit more curt with us you know being a little more direct and so um, he's I don't mean to say I don't want to paint a picture that he is unloving by any means because he is the most gracious and um, merciful man I've ever met but at the same time it's we're definitely not here um, out of nepotism and stuff like that and so uh, I think and ultimately there are people who would have a beef or whatever you know what i mean and ultimately i think that's rooted in a place of jealousy but i think our entire church um understands like yo this is the grace that's on their life like there's a grace on their family to do this together and there's a grace on them individually to to walk their own calling out and their own um specific 
piece of the body of Christ, you know what I'm saying? And their specific office in the ministry. And um, so, yeah, I think navigating those hurdles has been like, it's been tough, you know what I mean? Because a lot of people, um, when you grow up in the church and then you're on staff at the same church you grew up in, there's so many people who want to pigeonhole you as that stupid 13 year old who was just flirting with all the girls at youth group or that stupid 13 year old that did this or that, you know what I mean? And when now you're like, you're 23 or ever, however old you are, and you're trying to just like be a 23 year old and move forward. Um, it's tough whenever people want to just pigeonhole you and hold you right there. And ultimately you just have to remember that they didn't call you in and they can't pull you out. You know, the person that puts you in, which is God and your leadership, um, they're the ones that, that see the good in your life. They, they see that God's hands on your life and you're just going to have to rest in that and let the chips fall where they may. And that is a lot easier said than done, but that is how you get through it. You know what I'm saying? And that's that I, I literally have to put that into practice every week. Like seriously, every week, there are people on my team who are at one point above me and they were leading me and now I'm leading them. And that is, that's one of the hardest things to navigate because like, it's awkward, you know what I mean? And if you just give them grace and you just, you know, you just take it one day at a time, one step at a time and, and just, you know, let love do what it does and cover multiple, multitude, a multitude of offenses. Um, there's nothing that you can't get past. And ultimately if they become a, a big enough problem, your leadership is going to deal with them. You know what I mean? Like my dad will deal with somebody if they are absolutely digging their heels in or whatever, but the truth is, is that you just got to let the Lord be your vindicator and just keep moving forward to what you know you're called to do and just yep. be cool doing whatever it is that you're called to do. You know what I mean? Um, Absolutely. A, a platform, a platform has come early for me, but people don't realize that, that there's a lot of like hardship that comes along with a platform. There's a lot of pressure that comes along um, with a platform. And so sometimes the best thing you can be is hidden. You know, I mean, everybody's ready to be like revealed. Everybody's ready to have the Mike Todd moment when all of a sudden the whole world recognizes your calling in a matter of six weeks or whatever. But honestly, that's overrated. You know what I mean? And that's a lot to gain at one moment because then instead right. of having to worry about what 50 people think about what you said, you're having to worry about what 50,000 people think about what you've said every single week. And you've got to bring the hottest and best message of your life every single week. You know what I mean? And so mm -hmm. um, I just think be grateful for the season that you're in, capitalize on the season that you're in, um, love the season that you're in, but look forward to, to, to what God's going to do uh, through you in the future. And so those hurdles yeah. are real, but they're not, they're not impossible to get over. Come on. Absolutely. I love that you said that the, uh, the, one of the best things that you could be is hidden. And yeah. for those PKs that do feel that call to ministry, they get to be hands-on with it every single day. And they are desiring something that God may, one, God may never have for you because that's not the main thing, but they're yeah. desiring something that maybe belongs to somebody else right now. And God wants you to grow and develop in the season that you're in. Eli will have to speak to some of the things that you shared because like Eli works in his parents' ministry as well. Mm -hmm. I actually went on staff, on paid staff in my family's ministry as a teenager um, wow. in, the, in the, the worship ministry. So I never got to be that uh, teen that flirted with all the girls in the youth group, but not because of that. It was because I was a total nerd um, and none of, none of the girls would have paid a, uh, given me a second glance. So I, I missed out on all that. Eli, he, he was the good looking uh, PK that all the girls were after. Um, still is. Still is. I mean, I mean, he's one word comes to mind, swagger muffin. I mean, that's what we're looking at swagger right here. Muffin. I, I mean, it. that's it. False. Hashtag. There's been so many facts that have come from this. That just was not one of them <laughs> at all. Dude, no. Dude, no, you're just blind to it, bro. It's your, your, your humility has blinded you. That is not true. Actually, well, me and Ken seem to have had a very similar, like, almost copy paste and wow. send of stuff. I mean, so yeah, I understand exactly. It's hard for me because like I'm now leading teams and most of them are older than me. And here I came three years ago and like, it was like same thing. Ministry was like kind of what I was thinking of, but like I went to, I went to business school and all these other things too. So I thinking I was going to do that. So yeah, I meandered my way into ministry. Um, but yeah, so I feel like we're, we have some very similar like kind of upbringing as well. 
in that. So. That's awesome, man. And, and John knows that. John, uh, John can speak into some of that a little bit too, because he's been in ministry like a lot. And John's like the OG, like young ministry person there is. Yeah, I, I want to, I want to, I want to talk deep into something that you said. I want you to speak deeper into it because there is a overflow from being a preacher's kid that if you're not careful, it will overflow into every layer of your life, leadership and ministry, wherever God places you, if you don't get control of it right now. And you said when you were leading worship in your Christian school, I'm a Christian school kid too, by the way. And I want to talk more about that in a second, but you said I could get up there and just say something and just kind of pull it out of my butt <laughs> there y'all you should go follow Keenan on Instagram because there's this preaching clip that you'll see where the timing in this sentence was just so perfect he's up there and I can't even emulate it because everybody's got their own style but he's like some of us have got our heads stuck so far up our past that we can't see the purpose that God has for us in the future. And you're just, you're just waiting for it. You're just waiting. Like he's not really going to say that on the platform, right at church, you know, and it it was awesome. But you talked about like, you could just let this stuff out. You're just pulling these spiritual truths, whatever out of your butt. And for a lot of PKs, they're, they're at the church building every day of the week. So they're hearing about spiritual things every day of the week. Some of them are made to read their Bibles. Like that's their homework inside their home. And they do it because they have to, maybe not even because they they want to or desire to get anything from it. But I found myself as as a church planter and a pastor, sometimes I'd get up on a Sunday and that's what I'd be doing. I'd be pulling stuff out of my butt that was not fresh and new coming from the Lord. It wasn't a result of study or Holy Spirit. It was a result of, I know what to say, so I don't need to do the digging that other people are doing. And God had to wreck me in that. So talk about the personal relationship that you had to have with the Lord and how did that shift and morph and grow over time to go from surfacey, I know all the things to say, to like preaching that hot sermon and getting that, that fresh anointing and that fresh word for week after week, meeting after meeting, all those different yeah. types of things. Yeah. I'm a big believer in the fact that you have no authority to speak on anything God has at first used on you. And so um, I, the reason I can preach, and I'm sure the two of you, I know for a fact, the two of you would agree with me because you guys experience this um, every time you get up as well. But the reason I can have and preach with such confidence and conviction is because I know what I'm saying works. Like I, I have lived this out in the lab of my life. You know what I mean? God used this on me. It's wrecked me. It's changing me. If, if this does nothing but remind me of, of that, like if this sermon I'm preaching to you does nothing but bring all this back to me, praise God. You know, at least I'm getting it again. You know what I mean? Because right. it's that good. And so um, I just really believe that you have no authority and you're going to produce no life um, where life hasn't been produced in you. And so um, if you, if you're just pulling stuff out that you've heard, if it's all just secondhand regurgitated, you know, Christian jargon and theological just stuff, then um, people are going to see right through that and nobody's going to care. Nobody's going to want it. There'll be people who act like they do. Um, but ultimately it's not going to produce any fruit. And the best thing though, the, the last thing I want is to be a great preacher and a terrible person. You know what I'm saying? The last thing I want to do is become a great communicator and a terrible follower of Jesus. You know what I mean? And so I don't want to just get up there and be able to just like say a bunch of hype things. And one, one, I mean, you guys know him, but one of my good friends, Noah Heron, um, we were having a talk recently and he was just talking about how um, the Holy Spirit really convicted him about uh, going for things that were full of hype rather than that were helpful. And I just think ultimately, if you're not going up there and being like, look, I don't want this just to get you standing up and clapping, waving your hanky, making you do a lap around the auditorium or whatever. I want this to actually change your Monday. I want it to change your Tuesday. I want it to change your Wednesday. You know what I'm saying? Um, When you get up there and you start talking about stuff like that and you quit caring, and this is, this is a process. Okay. So like, don't beat yourself up. And I'm not talking just the two of you. I'm talking about anybody listening. Um, there's a process to this. Okay. Um, but it took me a while to get over, um, 
thinking about what people thought of me and start to actually think, think to, to think about the people I was talking to. You know, sometimes right. we get up there and we're like, man, this is going to sound so good. This is going to like make them think I'm such a great preacher rather than, man, this is going to help so-and-so. This is going to help, you know, that guy who's been, you know, cheating on his wife. And this is going to help that mom who's been neglecting her kids because she's spending way too much time at the gym and way too much time on the internet. And, and she's causing them to like have to go without because she's been shopping too much or whatever. You know what I mean? You begin to think of these scenarios and you begin to think of like literal people who are going to be sitting in those chairs, listening to you. And you start actually asking God for things that are going to help them. Not, not that are going to help build your ministry or build your credibility or your profile or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like when you actually begin to think about the people that are giving up a portion of their life to listen to you talk, which is the greatest thing that they have because they literally cannot get that back. Okay. Right. The money that they give in the love offering or the money they throw in the bucket, they can make that up again somewhere else. You know what I'm saying? The greatest yep. gift these people are giving you is their attention. It, there's a reason we call it paying attention. Because it costs you something to pay attention. And when you really, when you want that to be, when you desperately want what they give you to be a good investment and something that they can get a return on, I just think that God has a, I don't like a supernatural, magical way of honoring that. You know what I mean? And um, I'm all for listening to other preachers. You know what I'm saying? Like the Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. You know what I mean? Um, I honestly think that we're not called to be original. We're called to be faithful. You know what I'm saying? We're not called to, to bring a new light or something like that to the scriptures. But if you come across something that's new and nobody's ever noticed before, or you haven't heard said before, that's awesome. But the important thing is that we're giving people the truth. You know what I'm saying? And so if it does take some time of like taking what other people have said and crafting it, hopefully in your own way, um, I'm all for taking stuff, you know, I'm all for stealing stuff, but like, try to make it your own. You know what I mean? Don't just completely rip yeah. Stephen Furtick off. Don't just completely rip Michael Todd off. You know what I mean? Try to make it like an original thought, like, okay, this is what they're saying, but here's how I would say it or phrase it. Um, but I'm all for like, at the end of the day, we're called to give people the truth. And if it's the truth, it's going to help them um, give credit where credit's due. But ultimately all the credit goes to God because he's the reason we're up here. He's the reason we're doing what we're doing. And I really do think that people will sniff out. If you're not personally spending time uh, with Jesus, then people are going to know it. That's what they said about the disciples that, that they got before they got before some of the religious leaders. And it says that they seemed like men who had been around Jesus. They seemed mm. like men who had spent time with Jesus. You know what I'm saying? Right. That's what I want. I want my life to get up in front of people and be like, you seem like you've spent time with Jesus, not just based on what I say and stuff like that, but based on my character, my countenance, my, my tone, you know what I'm saying? That the intentionality of my, my touch and my eyes and my body posture and all of that, I want all of that to say, man, Keenan Clark, he is one who spent time with Jesus. And I think that is ultimately what grows your ministry. It's, it's, I heard Jensen Franklin say this, but it's a dangerous thing to have a growing ministry and a shrinking passion for Jesus. It's a dangerous thing to have a growing ministry and a shrinking drive and passion for the person of Jesus Christ, not just to build your empire and your local little church and your street corner, but to build the kingdom of God, something that's going to outlive you. That's what yep. it's all about. That's right. That's, that's, that's right. so good. Let's take Let's it a go. little younger. Okay. Because we've got a wide variety age of PKs that are listening. We've got some older yeah. ones in their thirties, forties, and we've got some that are 13 and 14 right now. Okay. And I think that there are some PKs that are where, where, where I was, where I hear the phrase, they seem like they've been with Jesus. Like I remember as a, when you're a preacher's kid, you get to be in the presence of some amazing people that oh, yeah. most of the church never gets to meet or experience the way that you get to experience. They've been in your house. They've sat on your couch. You've been out to eat with them after the night services or things yeah. like that. And by virtue of the fact of the blood that runs through your veins, you get to be around some amazing people. And I remember as a PK, there were some that my grandpa would put it like this. He'd be like, this guy, he just, he had God all over him, you know, like mm -hmm. he just sensed it when they walked in the room. And I would think, dang, I, I want to want that. Like, mm -hmm. I, I don't want it because if I, if I had it, then the, okay, the bullying or the teasing or 
the ostracizing, like, oh, that's the preacher's kid. They can't hang out with us because they're so holy. Like all yeah. those types of things. That's only going to grow if I have this like Jesus thing. So I can't honestly say that I want it, but I can say that I wish I wanted it. I want to want it. So yeah. what does it take to go deep? How do I, how do I want to want it? How do I learn to want it? And then how do I, how do I get that? What are the practical steps as a preacher's kid, other than just sitting under your parents' roof, you know, hearing your parents talk, how do you get that on a personal level? Yeah, such a great question. And I, I can relate so much. Okay. I remember being a kid and feeling the exact same way you did, John, just wanting to want it. You know I mean? You see other people and you see your dad, you see other ministers, like you said, who come in and they sit at your couch or you go to eat with them. And they're, you're just like, I can tell you really want this. Like you really are like a hundred percent on board. All you eat, sleep and breathe is Jesus and the Bible and prayer and worship music. And I just ain't there. You know what I mean? And you really want to want it. And I, I for me, what made the shift for me was when I got um, people or I found people, whether it was like in person or online, um, who were a little bit older than me. They weren't like my parents' age, but they were like almost like I could see them as like an older brother in a, in a sense. Um, and I saw the way that they loved Jesus. Um, and sometimes I honestly believe it, it's, it's hard. Like the thing is you can't go to Starbucks and sit down with Jesus. Okay. You can't hit up Jesus and say, Hey, meet me at Chipotle. I'll buy your burrito today. I'd love to just quiz you down and just kind of get to know you. You know what I mean? Right. Like you can't, you can't do that. Okay. And so sometimes what you got to do is just get around people who you think do love Jesus and you admire their relationship with God. You admire the things that they do. You admire the way they live. You admire the person that they are. And sometimes like it even comes down to like the things that they're into as well. Like if they're into the things you're into, like say fashion or a sports team or a band, a certain genre of music, whatever it may be that they're into, um, find some common ground there. But the ultimate common ground is that they love Jesus with every fiber of their being. And sometimes you got to have something like that in order to, to truly begin to want Jesus more. Cause you gotta have something that you want to look like. It's hard to be like, I just want to look like Jesus. Okay. That means you want to be perfect. That means you want to be completely self-sacrificing. That means you want to be completely faithful all the days of your life. Okay. Yeah. That, that's a hard pill to swallow. Okay. Um, you need to find somebody who looks more like Jesus than you do and be like, I want to look like that guy. Like, I want to love like that guy. I want to give like that guy. I want to treat people like that guy. I want to serve people like that guy. And then when you graduate to that level, you find a new one and you find a new one and you find a new one. You know what I'm saying? And I just think that there should never be a season in your life where you don't have some sort of a mentor or some sort of a, I don't want to say idol in the faith, but someone you're just like, you just extremely admire. And you're just like, man, that guy, his relationship with Jesus is something, it's something to strive for. It's something to go for. Um, yeah. I remember having people, everybody's like on the Leland train right now because he wrote Waymaker and all that stuff. But I was a Leland fan like back in like when I was like 14. Okay. Sound of melody, like, bro. Yes, bro. Come on. Yes, you have. What a song. You stole in my heart. Yes, you have. Come on. That was the first song I ever led in our youth ministry. I wow. sang it in the same key as Leland and could not do it, but I didn't know you could change the key. <laughs> no, I was like, I'm stuck in E. Here we go. Have you ever heard yes. of a capo before, man? <laughs> Never had. I didn't realize you could change the key. I was like, this is the song the keys in, and this is the song we have to play. This is the key we have to play it in. But yeah, Leland, Leland was one of the guys who, um, to me, was just like so inspirational. Um, I, I remember the first time I ever was introduced to him, we were at a youth camp. Um, it was an extreme camp with Teen Mania. I don't know if they used to put on the Acquire the Fire events. And so, Acquire the uh, Fire, let's go. Yeah, dude. <laughs> And so Ron Luce, um, sadly, they, you know, ended up in some financial trouble or whatnot, had to close down. But I remember God just wrecking me um, in multiple Leland shows that they would put on at the camp. And he would literally like sit there and cross songs out of the set list because he'd get up there in the middle and just start preaching. He's crying his eyes out with his guitar on. And like, it's totally spontaneous. You know what I mean? And I just remember just like seeing such conviction and just him talking about like being in his hotel room and just playing his guitar by himself and just singing to the Lord. And I was just like, I, like he was cool. You know what I mean? But the thing was, is he, he wasn't like this suit toting, like 
weird guy with like a weird comb over or toupee or hair plugs, you know what I'm saying? Like in some like mediocre looking wife, like he was like an actually cool dude who had like a cool life and was dedicated, sold out to Jesus. And I'm like, this guy loves Jesus. Like he does. Like sometimes you think people who love Jesus just have no other option. You know what I mean? They go to the person right. with the unconditional love because nobody else will love them. You know what I mean? And when the guy who like has a lot going for him, and has all this success is like that in love with Jesus that he literally crosses his own songs out that he spent time writing. He's not going to play them for his audience because he wants to spend time talking about Jesus. Like that moved me. And as I kept graduating, you know, in, in the grace of God that was on my life. Um, and ultimately when I became, you know, more in tune with the fact that I was called to preach, like I said, I, I began to find other voices and other people to, um, to, to aspire to be like, and, to, to learn from their life and watch the grace of God on them and, and whatnot. So I think that's one of the biggest things. If you're 13, 14, or even 12 or 11 out there, um, the people that you need to be looking to are some of those, those small group leaders, you know, who are at your church, you know, some of those kids who are 18, 19. Now listen to me, they do not have it all together. They are 18, 19 years old. You need to give them some room to be 18 and 19, but man, they love Jesus. They love you. There's a reason they're giving up a whole night during their week to be there for you. They're not getting paid. They're munching on mediocre pizza and hanging out with you. Why? Because they love you and they believe in the call of God on your life. Uh, my biggest encouragement to you is don't let them go to waste. Text them, DM them, okay? Uh, go out and make TikToks with them. Whatever you got to do, get around those people because those are the people who uh, are actually going to be there when push comes to shove and they love you and they're cool and they're vibey. And uh, yeah, I just, I dare you to catch what they have. So. Yep. I think that's real. We big want component. to officially welcome Keenan Clark and Eli Blevins to the TikTok family since our last episode. Whoa. Yes, they're, they're both out there now. Quick, give us your give us your usernames. How can we how can we find you on TikTok? I'm oh, I at Keenan Clark underscore. At Keenan Clark I, underscore Eli Blevins I'm doesn't even know pulling, his. I'm pulling mine up. I am um, Eli Blevins nine one seven. Come on, I need to follow Eli. Let's go. Yeah, you do. I mean, I follow I you, follow but. John. Okay, we like to close out the episodes in a particular way. And okay. so Eli and I have shared some of our craziest PK stories and memories, um, like from crazy things that we did post-communion, pretending like those were shot glasses and seeing who could toss back the most grape juice, to you know, crazy things, pranks that we've played on people that they will never even know was us unless they listen to the podcast. So right. do you have one of those for us today? Like what's your most amazing, hilarious, or embarrassing PK memory? Mm. I'm really trying to like dig up some gold here because there's tons. Um, I think one of like, okay, this was like, I mean, this was just something crazy that happened to me. Um, so I went to youth camp. Uh, actually, sorry, kids camp one year. It was, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of discovery camp, um, the Birchfields, um, yeah, amazing yes. people. Yeah. So we went to discovery camp, um, near Houston and, um, they have water slides there. And one year, um, it was the first year I was getting to do a four day camp and, uh, we got there a little early. So we were one of the first churches to get there. So they gave us some free time and I went to the water slide, went down that thing, ended up going down the drop flipping over on my stomach to show off to everybody and it somehow um hits the side of the slide and in hitting the side of the slide i scraped fresh paint off the slide and it plunged itself all the way back to the bed of my toenail had to get rushed to the austin er and missed the entire rest of camp okay Ugh, like i was literally at camp for an hour had spent all that time raising money and had to have half my toenail removed um, had all the paint removed and it was just oh. this ginormous ordeal. And yeah, that was probably one of the worst things that's ever happened to me as a PK, but I've done like lots of embarrassing stuff. Like, you know, oh. I mean, you, just, you walk into the church and you're embarrassed, you know what I mean? Like somebody's doing something, you do something, you know, I don't know. It's, there's all sorts of stuff, but yeah, that was one of like the ones that stick out to me. I love it. Is there anything from like stage that you've ever said and you're just like, what did it, this come out? I, I, I've missed, I've like accidentally like flubbed a word before and people thought I cussed, you know what I'm saying? Like there are like certain, like, like you say funk, 
And if you say it, like, if you kind of like mess it up a little bit or you say it too fast, people are like, what did he just say? Like, did he seriously just, did he just seriously say that? And I'm like, oh no, like afterwards, cause I didn't catch it. I was like, no, like what? No. Oh my God. And I, I was just seeing if y'all were paying like, attention. I listened back to it and I'm like, oh my God, it sounds like I just dropped the F-bomb in the middle of my message. You know what I mean? And so luckily, I, I don't know if you guys know this video, but I've never had a pinched his tits moment. Have you ever That's seen that terrible. video? Oh my gosh, yes. It's the best, worst one that there is. <laughs> so terrible. Lot chose to go pinch his tits. <laughs> so terrible. And he tried so hard to recover and he never could. Stop laughing. Bless like his so heart. Mad. I had a guy, I had a, I have a friend who's on staff with that guy. It's crazy. Oh my goodness. Wow. Small That's world. amazing. I know. Well, bro, so thankful that you could join us for the podcast today. We appreciate yes, you. Dude. We've Thank got Keenan's uh, social handles in the show notes. So swipe up if you're listening on Apple podcast. And if you're listening anywhere else, uh, you need to get an iPhone and repent and get saved. But uh, for those that are on Apple Podcasts, swipe up, follow Keenan on all the social medias, and Eli, close us out. Yes. Guys, thanks for listening. Keenan, you crushed it today. Thank you for thank you, bringing it. Uh, love hearing from you. Um, guys, let's make the best of this, uh, this rest of the quarantine, and let's go knock it out. Have a good one, guys. Peace. Hey, we hope you've enjoyed this episode of The Preacher's Kids, and we're so thankful that you spent the last 40 minutes with us. Hey, we'd love to connect with you on social media, on Instagram, at Those Preacher's Kids, on Facebook, or in our private Facebook community called The Preacher's Kid Network. And you're going to want to follow us because we're going to be announcing a little bonus episode coming soon with Keenan Clark, where he's going to talk about the subject of fitness. It's going to be on video, and so we're going to tell you a little bit more about where you can access that episode, especially if you're a dude. You do not want to miss this bonus episode. It's so good. We can't wait to connect with you this week.